A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Jedi got their revenge. It was, it was a return. Return, return of the Jedi. There was no revenging? No, they just came back. Oh, okay. And they returned to do stuff. And we're going to talk about that stuff and the things they used here on the Prop History Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Prop History Podcast. My name is Mike. I'm Greg. And we talk about props. Sometimes. More or less. We get to it eventually. And today, as uh, Greg uh, stated uh, or intimated, uh, we will be talking about Star Wars Episode Six. Return of the Jedi. Which was originally titled Revenge of the Jedi. But yeah, yeah, they, they uh, I guess it was not in keeping with the Jedi, I no. suppose. Yeah, because yeah. they were not all about revenge. I do like it, though, that they made uh, production material for it, though. Posters and T-shirts and stuff. And I thought, I thought, and some of it still survives. Yeah, one of these days we'll have to uh, figure out a way to go visit uh, Steve Sansweet or Gus Lopez. And- I'd, I'd love both to go, go visit both of them, because Gus has the episode four Death Star. The original one. Yeah, that ended up as a trash can in a uh, honky-tonk in Missouri. That's awesome. And that's, that's, the only, that's the only reason it survived, though. Best story ever. ever. <laughs> Let's never impersonate him again. <laughs> so we're trying a couple of new things today. Yes, we are. One, I've got a dog sitting beside yeah, me. My, my, my pupper, Sam. Uh, he's a 7,000-year-old beagle, uh, and he makes everyone a bed when they sit on the couch. So I'm trapped. Uh, and we are also uh, filming in my, uh, or filming, we're recording in my living room because by tradition, we're normally either in Greg's shop or in mine. Yeah. Um, but my shop, I've been rebuilding it and it is an unbelievable disaster right now. So we're uh, we're actually doing a third new thing too. Yeah, we're actually watching the film while we're doing this. While we're talking about it. Yeah. Because yeah. so. uh, And the movie just started uh, and we're actually at the opening scene where the shuttle Tidarium comes in. And lands, and we get to look at these absolutely beautiful matte paintings that were done for it. Because all that that you see, other than the stuff in the foreground, is all matte paintings. And and I love that that art, that the art still survives because yeah. these matte paintings are still in existence at the archives, Lucasfilm archives. But that they like just how gorgeous they are. And I know CG is a much better version, or well, a much better option now because it's cheaper and it's faster to produce. But the art of matte painting was fantastic back oh, in the yeah. day. Like, I, I mean, I would, I would love to own a big, just like a two foot by four foot matte painting yeah. above my, you know, couch I, or something. Like and that. I think like the one where Vader's walking out and you see all the stormtroopers lined up in mm-hmm. formation and all that. They were enormous. They were like six foot wide paintings, oh, wow. and yeah, they were just huge. It's funny watching that. We talked earlier about you know both of us our, our love of the uh, shuttle Tidarium, and I realized that I think that like my favorite old plane is the Corsair, right. and this has the same Corsair wings. Yeah, the I, bent wings. Yeah. yeah. You know why the Corsair had to have bent wings? Uh, no, tell me. Because of the size of the propeller. Really. The propeller was enormous uh, to get the right amount of of thrust ratio that they wanted uh, yeah. out of the engine, which was a. Uh, was that to get it off the deck? It was. It was a mixed bag because uh, they they put the biggest engine that they could find in it at the time, which was the Pratt and Whitney R twenty eight hundred, and they needed a huge propeller to maximize the power. But they also needed it to be able to clear the ground when it took off from an aircraft carrier. So they came up with the bent wing design, huh. and that's why it's the bent wing bird exists, nice. uh, which is really cool and. I was just in California, yeah. and I visited the San Diego Air and Space Museum, and they actually had a, a Corsair on oh, display, nice. which was really cool to see. Because, I mean, in this area, you don't see a whole lot of naval aircraft in, yeah. in museums because there's not a whole lot of water nearby. Right. 
And we're like two hours away from the Air Force Museum, mm-hmm. which didn't have in, them. in Dayton. Yeah, and the Air Force didn't use Corsairs, but uh, uh, but they the the, the the museum in Dayton is amazing, though. Yeah, they just put the Memphis Bell up on display. We should uh, see if we could do a podcast there oh, yeah, about the Memphis Bell. Oh my God, what, what's that? About the Memphis Bell, we could I'd, whole... I'd be about it because uh, she's she's actually hung from the ceiling a little yeah. bit. She's actually up on a, on pylons. Um, then we'd be able to sit underneath her and do a podcast, which would be like the best possible environment to do right. it. We should work on that. Yeah. I'll see. I know some people that work there, so we might okay. be able to like finagle our way in to do that. And, um, and they do have, I think like 30 one of a kind aircraft at that museum too. Oh, nice. This is so close to talking about movie props. I love it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, okay. So my favorite part of the entire, maybe, maybe my favorite sequence of, of the whole trilogy has got to be the Java stuff. Oh, yeah, Jabba's Palace. Yeah, yeah, everything about Jabba's Palace is great. Uh, a couple of years ago, I got commissioned to build a um, a stand for the Hasbro three-foot-long sail barge that they did as part of their master collection or whatever they're calling it. And it's, it's, it's amazing, but a, a buddy of mine wanted me to make a custom stand for it, so I made a big box that essentially was a, a sandbox that he could put the sail barge on in the sand skiff, and then I carved out a, um, a, a, a sarlacc pit in there. But the front, the front facing uh, of the of the box, the sides in the front, I made it to look like Java's throne, and I carved it to look like rock, and I embedded into it three uh, D printed uh, gargoyles, like you see. And it's funny, I got the inspiration from that because Tom Spina had just released a set of magnets of the gargoyle, like fridge magnets. And um, I'm like, oh, I wonder if those files are available someplace. And I found them on like Thingiverse and printed them out. And that's, that's actually not too far how, from how they actually filmed that scene too because they built the, a full-size sail barge up on a platform and then they had the Sarlacc pit that they built in front of it. And they built it on, in uh, Buttercup, I think it was Buttercup Valley near Yuma, Arizona. And... They had this. They had the massive sail barge and the sarlacc pit, and then the two skiffs that were in front of it, the speeders that were in front of it. Then they only had one side of it built, and the back side was just you know all scaffolding and ladders and stuff for the crew to get up into. And then in, in traditional Star Wars fashion, they just abandoned it when they were done filming. I guess you know, like fans have gone out there and pulled off pieces of yeah. the sail barge. That's, that... that's the only reason pieces survive is because people went out and scavenged it. And I, I guess like after a few weeks of it being out there. They did actually send a company out to dismantle mm-hmm. what was left of it, but fans had gone out there and stripped it. And actually, while they were filming it, it was dune buggy season in that area, so they were constantly having to wait for dune buggies to get out of the shot oh, that's <laughs> to <funny>. film. <laughs> now I know also that um, they left the bunker in indoor. Yep, it's <laughs> it's gone now, but they did abandon it for a while, and it was just a wood facade. Yeah, and people went out and. Stripped it of pieces and stuff. Yeah, because I know over the years I've seen people like, "Hey, I found this out in the middle of a, you know, the forest." And yeah, it's a piece of Star Wars yeah. of some sort. Yeah, and a lot of the from the like that scene in Endor, like particularly the speeder chase, uh, a lot of those places where they film that, uh, they still exist. And it's fun that, that, that it's almost all a trail right there. Yeah, and they filmed it from the back of a truck on a high speed. 
and they just drove the truck through there. Huh. And then that's how they got those shots as they were going through. There's a guy I follow on Facebook that he's real big about going to these locations, and he just posted comparison shots of, like, the trees. I just, yeah, I saw that, yeah. on I think it was on Facebook, and, yeah. and like, the trees now versus the trees yeah. then, and most of them are exactly as they were. Which is... Yeah, they're trees. Yeah, and they're hundreds of years old anyhow, Yeah, they've so. already been there a while, so yeah, not much has so. changed. But they, I, I, I do love that... For the longest time, I thought that the scene where the sail barge explodes was mm-hmm. the full-size one. And, of course, it was just a model. It was a six-foot model that they blew up. I think they built, like, five of them. Oh, wow. And then they destroyed three, and one of them still exists in the Lucasfilm archives, hmm. which is pretty cool. And I, not, I, I really want to go there. I've not been in the archives. They don't let anyone in the archives except for, like, special reasons. Um, well, I, I have a couple of good friends that have spent a lot of time in the archives, and and. I, I, one of them was even saying recently, like, they don't even get access to the archives anymore. And they just, it, you know, like, if you are a license holder and you need reference for it, they'll just send you the reference as opposed to you letting you go in there. there. That's, so. I, I know that the, the collection in there is enormous. And they, they recently, they, they've previewed it. I don't know if it's been released yet, but it's sort of a documentary about the archives. Yeah. And they have some shots of going into the, like, the very, like the Star Wars part of the archives and kind of going through there and just all the stuff that they have piled up in there is amazing. I'm moving the microphone so I can look at Mike a little bit better. Goodness me. Sorry, that was... That's fine. That's fine. Noisy. Uh, but yeah, um, what else? Like, So Jabba's pal, so what, what is your opinion of the added scenes in the special edition? I hate them. I is, can... is there anything good about them? Uh, I mean, I could be that sexist guy and say that the girls are really pretty, but, um, yeah, I, you well, know, it's not really, I mean, I don't know if that's sexist. It's just kind of an observation, but that's yeah. fine. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing that I, I really do get a kick out of is, so, you know, Jeremy Bullock famously played Boba Fett, but in the pickup scenes for the special edition, um, Don Bees played Boba Fett for these scenes and uh, for those of you who don't know who Don Bees is, Don Bees was uh, for several years he was an archivist or in the archives and um, maybe that's his title, I don't know but he was the R2-D2 Wrangler uh, so he like operated R2-D2 and I, I know he worked on the prequels and but so he played Boba Fett in the uh, special edition so that that always kind of makes me happy because I've met him a couple of times and he's a super good guy. And he just ended up playing Boba Fett. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it's quite the role to have, truth right. be told, even if it is for just a couple of scenes. Now, there there are some like bits and bobs of the special edition stuff, the added stuff, that's kind of fun, but the CGI doesn't hold up yes. anymore. So it it looks bad now, a lot of it. Yeah. But some of the added characters are kind of cool. You know but, the the only the only thing that really just absolutely pisses me off about the the special edition with Return of the Jedi is, and I'm going to skip to the very end, is that you know when you see you know Ghost Yoda and you know like Luke standing there and it's like, hey look, it's Ghost Yoda, and it's Ghost Ben, and who the fuck are you? <laughs> and you have to think back, and it's Hayden Christensen. Right. Yeah. It's like uh, I wish they had uh, stuck with the because it it doesn't make sense because you don't see young Ben right. as a Force ghost. You don't see young Yoda as a Force ghost. Yeah. But now all of a sudden you see young Anakin right as a Force ghost, which doesn't make any sense. And in the original version, it was Sebastian Shaw who yeah. was the 
face, it, you know, when they did the reveal. Yeah, and yeah he was the guy underneath the mask for so. that final scene where Vader dies. And I, that is kind of a huge departure. And I, di- I know they did it because they were trying to push the prequels at the time pretty right. hard and, like, add all that stuff in from the prequels, much in the same way that they did with changing the voice of Boba. Because they changed his voice mm. entirely in the special yeah. editions to go along with Tamara Morrison, right? Uh, which is fine. Yeah, I'm actually I'm really cool with that. Yeah, I because um, he is Boba Fett, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, um, I know Jeremy Bullock originally was it Jeremy Bullock who did the voice as well originally. I don't know to be honest with you. Um, I liked the original voice, but I don't think it takes away from the character at all. No, and honestly, I don't spend any time really thinking about no. that. I mean, like, except for the fact that it's just cool. But Yeah, and also they turned Boba into straight-up beast in Mandalorian, so... Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't wait for the book of Boba. I know, right? I, I love that, that um, when they handed the script to the director for that fight scene, it was like three pages, and he's like, no, fuck this. I'm making this a nine-minute fight scene. And just he's gonna just dominate the entire scene. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, and, and my mind, Robert Rodriguez can do absolutely anything. Oh yeah, he anything wants. he touches is gold. And yeah. I love that he rehearsed that whole scene with his kids. There's awesome. there's video of him like working through the scene, and That's it's awesome. his two sons that <laughs> are doing all the acting. It's pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, the, now as far as like props go in this movie. Um, the ones that always stand out for a lot of people are like the thermal detonator and the charges they use in the bunker. Oh, yeah. And then the commando uniforms, because those are really the bigger changes, because everything that the Empire is using is pretty much the same. Yeah. Like, not much changes throughout. Of course, Vader's suit changes a thousand times throughout these three movies, because the th- they're just constantly shifting design. And the lightsabers change, too. Sort of. A little bit, because Luke's lightsaber is actually Ben's lightsaber. It's his stunt. Yeah. Uh, fighting from lightsaber. His fighting lightsaber from uh, A New Hope. Which Brandon Allinger Which Brandon Allinger owns. owns, the guy that we interviewed not too long ago. Um, from Prop Store. Our, is it still unofficial or is it official now? I think we're official. Yeah, we're we're official. there are official sponsor in yes. some ways. Um, which I was actually at Prop Store. Nice. So I'm going to pause you real quick because okay. we're talking about props. And the scene popped up with. Uh, with Bausch coming in uh, with uh, Chewbacca, and she's got this big s- staff. Right. So that is a fat. Have you broken down what the parts are on that? Not you on know? that one, no. So at the uh, the top of it is a corner hairdryer, <laughs> and the bottom of it is a water bubbler um, for like putting in your yard. So if you you know like run your hose to it, and then mm-hmm. bubbles the water out. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, the 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 top head of it before you get to the blade. Is a uh, Corner hairdryer. So is it the same sort of the same build as like the Gamoran axe too? Because they have, I think, some of the similar parts on theirs. That I don't know. Uh, I just know that I still have that hairdryer sitting in a box, really, right, waiting to do something. Should with. probably build it at some yeah. point, but because yeah. because you don't have enough stuff to do right now. No, no, <laughs> I'm so bored these days. Yeah, you have nothing to do. Now I do love the look of Bausch. Yes. Um, even though, of course, we all know it's a Carrie Fisher. detonator. Right? That's the scene we're watching right now. Um, and I love the design of the helmet, too. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to build one, but I know that a lot of the parts it's made from are viciously expensive, like everything else is. So We just need to get rich and famous and yeah. pay somebody else to build it for you know us. What we should do. Hmm. We should have our own TV show. That would be awesome. Oh, wait. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah. Anyway, um, moving on to... Uh, more props. Is yeah. there anything that's, that's like, what stands out in this movie for you? So th- there are, I think there are three big things for me. One, it's uh, 
it's getting to see Han and Carbonite again, mm-hmm. which I love and hangs in my bedroom. Um, I know <laughs> of course it does. It's weird, but you know, like and the next thing I want to do is I want to build the control box that goes next to it, mm-hmm. raise it up and down. Um, R2's trucks going by. We don't really have this on my... We live in the country, yeah. so this is how it goes. Uh, for number two is the serving bar mm-hmm. on R2, on the sail bars. Oh, yeah, that sits on his shoulders. So, like, that, they, that they made reference to in The Mandalorian. Where did they... So when R2 shows up at the end of The Mandalorian, spoilers, by the way, oh, um, the pegs? he's got pegs on his shoulders, and that's Dave Filoni said that's what those were from. Really? Yeah, that they're leftovers of him having that installed. Huh. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I I just kind of assumed that it was like they forgot to CGI that out to make him. No, that was it was supposed to be a reference to like mounting points to huh. that thing. So fascinating. I don't know how true that is, but it was sort of a half reference that he made, and yeah. so it's pretty fun. Though. And another uh, matte painting of yes. Jabba's palace, which is gorgeous with the frog. With the frog, I but, got yeah. the frog at Disney or at the. Uh, Hollywood Studios. I'm jealous of you. I still haven't been there. It's so good. Uh, to, to see Galaxy's Edge, which it's, you just went to not too long ago. Yeah. Mm, February? Yeah. yeah. It's so amazing. Kind of, I'm going to have to go there at some point. And, and my third prop from this uh, film is uh, got to be Vader's reveal mask. Like, oh, yeah, where they take him apart and you can yeah. see everything. Yeah. Because this is the, this, this, is it this episode or is it episode five where it shows him from behind where the helmet lifts up off of his head? Is that five? I think that's five, but then, you know, they pull off the yeah, face as plate. He's, as he's dying. Yeah. yeah. And then, spoilers, Darth so. Vader dies at the end. <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me he was Luke's dad. And he was, actually. Well, he revealed that in episode five. I wouldn't pay any attention. Yeah, so you need to make that panel there. I do. We're watching the movie as we do this, yeah. so and we're at the scene where... I don't know if this makes this, the podcast better or worse. Watching you know what? It. it could make it far worse, but that's okay. That all looks very familiar to me. Yeah. I'm not sure why. Oh, yeah, because you own one. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I think the thing that everybody remembers from this movie, of course, is the bikini. The oh, golden yeah. bikini thing, which... I watched an interview with Carrie Fisher, and she was talking about having to wear that. And they showed, they showed her the designs for it. Yeah. And they're, and she said that her very first thought was, "Holy shit, I need to get in shape to wear that." That's funny. And and she essentially starved herself to get <sighs> into shape for that. And it paid off. It, it's true. It did. <laughs> so I uh, so years ago, I worked on a movie called Saving Star Wars, and um, and you can find that online. Uh, on YouTube in its entirety, Saving Star Wars. And one of the key scenes has um, a, a an actress wearing the slave bikini costume. And so I got asked to build that. And um, when, I, when, I, when I did this, I'm like, the, the girl woman came over to the house and, and just, you know, and I'm like, we, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. The hard way is for me to sculpt this and you and I have a bunch of test fittings or you just let me do a plaster casting of your chest and uh, I can sculpt it to make it fit. And she opted for that. So, um, it's an interesting day. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, um, and, um, it, so I, I custom sculpted a, a Slave Leia costume for this film, and I don't know whatever happened to the, the costume. I don't know if she still has it, or... I don't know. Or, or if Gary Wood, the producer, has it. And, oh. um, but it turned out really nice. I was pretty happy with how it looked on screen. We're, we're at the scene now where Jabba reveals himself after she takes oh, Han oh, out. Oh, yeah, oh, that oh. one. After Han 
comes out of the carbonate. And it reminds me that Jabba the Hut, his puppet. Yeah. I think it had seven puppeteers inside of it. A bunch. And the only thing that survives from him is his eyes. I know the, the, rest, me- the mechanics for yeah, the Yeah, like tail. the armature stuff yeah. is still there, but the like I don't think much of his flesh survives because no. it's all the, that foam that deteriorates badly. And his eyes are in the archives because there's something that they have actually released pictures of <laughs> is the eyes and all the mechanism for the eyes and stuff. They're quite complex. Um, and then I don't th- I think that's all that's left of him. Like I don't I don't that's know sad. if his platform survives either. I have no idea mm-hmm. how much of that exists. Although it's been crazy if you go to these some of these big Star Wars conventions, guys have totally rebuilt all of that. Oh yeah, like photos. Yeah, and they're brilliantly done. Yeah. They're just like gorgeous looking and I don't even. I, I feel like watching the movie is kind of distracting us. Yeah, a little bit. I, I so agree. you I feel free to turn it off. Yeah, I'm going to turn it off because I'm just sitting here watching it. Yeah, I, we're sitting here watching Star Wars while trying to talk about Star I have, Wars. Uh, it's not working. I realize I've I've seen this movie this, over 300 times. This may be the worst podcast we've ever done. <laughs> And we're not we're not restarting it either. Don't bail on us, people. Yeah, we're we'll, gonna we'll do better. We're gonna force everybody to watch to listen to us. Yeah. Um. So. How, do you own any props from Return of the Jedi? I mean... Replicas. Uh, I have, I mean, Han Solo and Carbonite. I'm building the slave, or the uh, the sail barge uh, bar thingy, the shoulder thing. For the the, for, the drink carrier? Yeah. The, the, the drinks globe? For the R2 that I'm, I'm building. Yeah. And um, I don't... I don't know. I don't think so. I don't really... Oddly, I don't have a whole lot of uh, Star Wars props. Neither do I. So uh, The only thing that I have from Return of the Jedi is uh, I built one of the Endor Commando helmets. I do have something. What's that? I have the full-size Wicked the Ewok. That Tom, oh, yeah, you do. Tom Spina built uh, for me probably 20-plus years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I still have that. If anybody doesn't know who Tom Spina is... Uh, go to TomSpinaDesigns.com or RegalRobot.com and see his work. It's insane. It'll be down in the show notes, yeah. the links. <clears throat> but yeah, um, I, I, I've, I've, so those helmets, the Endor Commando helmets, were built from old World War II helmets uh, called an ANH-15. They were these canvas flight helmets that were used by aviators. And um, they used a ton of them in the film. Yeah, so and my wife wanted to cosplay as Endor Leia, so sure. I was like, I'm going to build one from original parts. And nice. A and H 15s, despite what people think, are not rare. They're just expensive. Um, if you, it, my rule of what is rare is always if you go on eBay and find 30 of them, they're not rare. Right. And um, so I, I actually own about 12 of them anyway. So, oh, wow. So I was a military collector for years, so I had a bunch of them sitting around because you used to be able to buy them for cheap. So what did you do for the ring? So the ring is a 3D print. Oh, okay. um, I actually found a really accurate 3D print on Thingiverse and printed one out and then added all the detail to it because it didn't have all the detail, like the ribbing in the back and the vents and all that stuff. So I had to add all that. And then um, I had to build up the bill for it, which the archives released photos of the helmets, and one of there's only one surviving Endor helmet left. And it's actually Leia's. And they had it sitting apart. And for years, people were wondering, like, is the bill of it attached to the soft cap or is it attached to the ring? And they they revealed in those pictures that it was attached to the ring. And then the only other difference they did, they put little leather patches over the chin strap attachment points, put some foam in where used to the receivers used to be for the communications yeah. equipment, and then some custom ribbing across the top. And that was it. <laughs> It was pretty simple to put together, but to make it look right was 
a bit harder because they're the dimensions on them are super weird and then oh. getting everything to fit together yeah. is also weird but it's one of those things it's like what you're talking about like i want one but then like you know what i do with it so yeah put it do the same thing we do with all the rest of our stuff put it in a case and let it collect dust <laughs> oh my god yeah. i have so much dust in my shop we need to build a shop yes and put all of our stuff in it yeah and and then make that our podcasting room yeah just surrounded by props as inspiration that would be that's awesome. what we need to do so I'm going to bring this up here. I haven't really talked to you about this, but so um, we talked a little about Indie PopCon, and uh, we are going to be setting up at Indie PopCon as guests for Props to History. Are we now? Yep. That's pretty neat. So they're excited to uh, have, have us. Uh, are have they, us are they going to give us a table? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. are we going to drag all of our props out there? I'm thinking a lot of them. I think yeah. we should. I think we should have a whole display. Yeah. Like we're we're going to be on their website and as okay. when is Indie PopCon? I don't know. August, Let's find out. September? You know what? I'm going to look it up on my phone because that's how professional podcasters do it is they don't have the information in front of them. <laughs> we need a producer <laughs> we to do. just randomly what we put need things is, in our what, we, what we need is a handler. We need a handler. All right. Um, but while I look up Indie PopCon. So Indie PopCon is a uh, local convention here in Indianapolis, and uh, it, it's put on by actually one of my really, really good friends um, that uh, they didn't get to do it last year because of COVID. Um, and normally it would be earlier in the summer, but now we're doing it later in the summer because getting over the, you know, COVID guidelines and stuff. But Mm -hmm. it looks like they're going to have a, you know, it's interesting that they don't focus necessarily just on, um, like movie props or or movie guests or, or whatever. They really focus on what's going on that's popular at the time. So they'll have YouTubers and Twitch streamers and we will be their first TikTok guests. Guests, yeah. yeah. Well, it's July 9th through the 11th okay. of 2021, and they will also have a lot of people from WrestleMania 37 there, and also the voice of Winnie the Pooh, Jim yeah. Cummings, which I kind of want to meet him because yeah. Winnie the Pooh is part of my childhood. So, And they just announced uh, one of the the woman from the, out, the office, I can't talk, <laughs> and um, I want to say somebody from Parks and Rec or something like that. Yeah, I wanna, I'm trying to look up who the guests are. Um, to see who's all going to be there. I think that's really cool that, that they've invited us to be out yeah. there. Um, we should record a podcast while we're there. Oh, like, absolutely. Do a live recording of a podcast, because yeah. why not? Because so so far, it's uh, Steve Bloom, Jim Cummings. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, David Cochner um, from Anchorman, The Office, um, that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Rob Paulson. Oh, my God, my wife is going to go insane. She's just huge. He's the voice of Pinky and the Brain uh, oh, from yeah. Animaniacs, Jimmy Neutron, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, Rob Paulson is awesome. He's a master of so many voices, and I really want to meet that guy. Jim O'Hare from Parks and Rec, um, uh, the voice actor from Red Dead Redemption, uh, Rob Whitehoff, uh, a whole bunch of folks from, from that. And then uh, one of the Ramones will be there. That's awesome. Uh, C.J. Ramone. So, uh, Indie PopCon, July 9th through the 11th. Yeah. Uh, come and see us and throw stuff out. We'll have to figure out, uh, like... Like logistics. Well, not logistics, but like you know, like if people want, uh, if people want like autographs, that's just weird to think that. We, it is because there's going to be at least like two people who know we, who we are, right? <laughs> Will you sign this for me? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sign this. Sign this picture of so. me. 
Uh, I hope that it's that they bring us pictures of other celebrities to sign. <laughs> that would be awesome. I was thinking, like, my, my friend uh, Travis Bell owns a company called Celebrity Machines, and he sells replica license plates from movies. Oh, we should do that. And we get, I bet I could probably get, like, a stack to, you know, to sell for him. And Yeah. Does he does he do full custom license plates? Uh, he does. Yeah, because we should probably have a props to history license plate made. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll talk to... Yeah, we'll see what we can do better. I'll order a bunch of stickers to hand out to people, too, because okay. why not? Um, but I also, I spent this past week and some change in Los Angeles uh, doing some prop-related stuff. Yeah, how was that? It was amazing. I got to meet a whole bunch of people. I uh, I got to hang out with Stephen Glickman from Big Time Rush <laughs> at his house. That's awesome. Like you do. Dude's super nice. Um, I liked his, I saw your pictures, and I liked his wall of... Uh, replica prop gold albums from yeah. Big Time Rush. Yeah, he's the he he stole a whole bunch of props from Big Time Rush when the show ended. So. That's awesome. And that was actually what uh, what got us talking on TikTok was uh, he said, "Hey, I have a bunch of props I stole from Big Time Rush. You should come look at them." And I was like, "Cool." And he ends up just being a super nice guy and also quite the piano player and uh, really? singer. Yeah, he's, he's quite a talented guy. I know. And uh, John Harrington, the props master from uh, Good Girls and uh, 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 From the Earth to the Moon and uh, the Right Stuff, uh, introduced me to a whole bunch of people in the prop community. Now, did you get to meet him while you were out there? Who's that? Harrington. Or oh, yeah, he... we hung out okay. with John. Went to his house. Uh, he, he's just a really super nice guy. And he took me to... Um, uh, um, Global Effects. Oh, okay. And introduced me to Chris Gilman, the owner of nice. uh, Global Effects. And they let me record and film from one end to the other in their prop shop, their prop house. That's awesome. Um, I got to, like, um, Ryan Gosling's Neil Armstrong suit from First Man. Got to handle that. Uh, stand inside the Lem uh, oh, wow. replica that they built for it. And, of course, took a selfie with my wife in the Lem. Cause sure. And um, went from there to uh, History for Hire, which is this amazing prop house that's been around for forever. And um, where else did we go? Acme Props uh, or Acme. Uh, oh, goodness. What was it called? Acme Archives. Thank there you. you. Uh, they do all the they do restoration and um, preservation of all the cells, the animation cells from The Simpsons. Oh, nice. And the guy, Sean, that owns that, that runs that is amazing. He's a super cool guy. Now, are um, they going to make those available for sale? They, Yeah, they do make them available for sale. And it's acmearchivesdirect.com. You can go order them from them. And uh, it's crazy because they have pallets upon pallets upon pallets of cells. Nice. And one pallet of cells is maybe one or two episodes. And out of Every envelope, like folder that has yeah. one frame in it, maybe two cells in there are, are sellable. I uh, I have the uh, Playboy that uh, Marge Simpson appeared on the cover of. I actually also have that one too. So, I'm not embarrassed to say that. <laughs> my uh, my goal in life is to get Nancy Cartwright to, to sign, sign that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure she's signed a lot of them. Who would think? Yeah. Um, where else did we go while we were there? Goodness. Prop store. Oh, yeah. That's the big one. Yeah, but I can't talk about it. Yeah, well, so but I did go to prop store, um, and then, uh, but I can't talk about what 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 transpired there yet. So hopefully, we can do more with prop store in the future. Well, so. we will be, as yeah. a matter of fact. So we we Greg and I will be in Los Angeles uh, at the end of May, and we will be going to prop store while we're there. So, cannot wait. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to going back to prop store. I will have gotten to go to both offices. I know. I have only been to this one. I need to go to the one in London. The London one's better. We need to make a trip to London. I agree. Like once everything settles yeah. and we're able to travel like that, we need to go to London for a lot of reasons. Sure. 
because I have friends in, in England as well that I want to go visit. So um, particularly uh, at a couple of brewing companies that are there, but also to go to prop store. Yeah. I'll be actually in London next summer. So Oh, you will be? Yeah. Oh, nice. Just well, for a couple of days, but we're going to spend most of the time in, in the highlands of Scotland. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Perhaps we'll have to schedule a quick trip out there as well. There you go. Uh, to, just to go to, to, go to prop store. Yeah. Just for the sake of doing it. Spend a weekend in London. Be the oh, most expensive weekend trip in the world. Right. <laughs> be so, worth it. So speaking of London, mm-hmm. that's where uh, uh, the studios for Star Wars are yeah, at. Elstree and Pinewood. Yeah, yeah. That's where everything was. Well, most everything was filmed because some of it was filmed in Cali. Yeah. So so all of the uh, indoor scenes were in E N D O R as opposed to outdoor indoor. Mm-hmm. But they were all filmed at what is it Sequoia? Yes, yeah. Sequoia National Park, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, they filmed the desert scenes on Tatooine. They filmed those in Buttercup Valley near Yuma, Arizona. Um, and then, you know, they abandoned everything when they were done. And then, of course, all the interior shots were done at Elstree and Pinewood. And I love it that they repeatedly built a full-size Millennium Falcon for different scenes when she's on the ground. And You uh, would think at this point it would be like, like I know that like uh, the White House, uh, the Oval Office, there is an East Coast one and a West Coast one. Yeah. And everybody interchangeably uses yeah. th- those. Yeah. So you would think by this point they'd be like, we're just going to build one Millennium Falcon. And, and then everybody comes to that. Yeah. But a full-size Millennium Falcon, as you well know, because you saw one at Galaxy's Edge, is enormous. It's big. Yeah. So... I don't know if they could do that as a permanent because they would eat up a whole soundstage. And I know that it's the Millennium Falcon. That's true, and that Star Wars is pumping out series left yeah. and right now. But not all of them involve the Millennium Falcon anymore. Aren't you aware of the Millennium Falcon? I said no. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> don't ever do that again. <laughs> so this podcast ostensibly is about movie props. Sure. And we've gone off. We've jumped a shark a thousand times this time. And I'm sorry for that. You mm. suffer through. Wow. But they keep listening. I know they do. We it's, appreciate that. And we do appreciate that. So what, what would, if there anything from star Wars return of the Jedi that you don't own, that you would want to own, the that you'd big, be willing to build the, the Vader reveal helmet. The Vader. Like Vader. I've spent a lot of time looking at all of the parts that go on that. Mm-hmm. Um, like the the neck part, the back is an actual like neck brace, <laughs> like like what you would use if like you get in a car accident. Kind oh of. wow! And um, there's uh, these photo diodes or something that, sh- and then there's typewriter arms and yeah, there's a whole bunch going on inside that helmet. Yeah. Um, but of course, I think that one because it was just for the reveal is not actually even wearable. Like there's so much stuff in it that you can't put it on your face. Mm. But it's just done for the visual, of course. It's all yeah. those greeblies to make it look interesting. They but. had a uh, licensed version of it years ago that was basically from the shoulder up, and then it had Sebastian Shaw's head in it, and then the helmet that yeah. covered, hovering over to the side. And I almost owned that, and the deal kind of fell apart, and I've always kind of regretted not owning. Well, Hasbro released the one for the Black Series as well, their helmets that mm-hmm. they do, and it comes apart, and it has a lot of detail inside it. It's not... It's not terribly accurate, but yeah. it's close, and it's kind of fun. And I have one hanging up in my office because I'm too cheap to buy an accurate Vader. Well, helmet. I have a I have a casting off of a screen used a New Hope uh, Vader helmet, and I need to properly display that at some point. But I would love to have the reveal helmet kind of as a bookend for that. Right. So, so what about you? What would be your dream prop to own from? 
Um, a full-size speeder, the speeder bikes. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of guys that have built speeder bikes on electric bikes, and they're drivable. Oh, and, and they use mirrors on the bottom to make it look like there's yeah. like it's floating. I'd love to build one of those. In fact, I have the plans to build one of those. Nice. Um, so I have all the dimensions for the parts. It's just a matter of, A, time, B, money, and sure. three, um, spending the money to buy the parts and the bike. Because yeah. the electric bikes are expensive. But um, that would be the one that I'd love to have. And because my wife has an indoor layer, layer costume, uh, she'd probably just take it and start riding it around everywhere. I want one and I want to put it on a spring mm-hmm. and put it in the front yard so you can just on it. Like, <laughs> like, about, the, like one of the rocking horses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just let kids play on it. Yeah. Yeah. That'd so, be fun too. But I, I want one that drives around because I think it would be fun to dress as a scout trooper and just drive it through downtown Indianapolis with no explanation whatsoever. Yeah. Just because, just to watch people basically. Um, that, that would be the one that I'd want. But I also want one of the limpet mines that they have, the ones that they use in the, uh, the bunker. Oh yeah. Um, which I call it a limpet mine because it's another name for a magnetic mine. But those things, I'd love to have one, a screen accurate one. And actually one of the surviving ones sold on prop store not too long ago. Oh, nice. Um, I don't know what it went for because I don't know that they reveal the final prices on everything, but I have uh, I have pictures, but, uh, at galaxy's edge, they have it in storage lockers, like uh, boxes of those. Mines. Really? Yeah. You can't buy them though. Can you? No, they should. That would be awesome. Yeah, no, I'd buy them. Yeah. But then, of course, you'd have issues getting them back on the planes. So you'd have to just ship it home. Oh, yeah. Just ship that stuff home. Well, it was like they had issues with the like the drinks bottles that looked like grenades. Oh, yeah. And then the TSA, in all of their uselessness, just was like, oh, no, we can't have those because they look like grenades. And we're too stupid to realize it says Coke on the outside. So yeah. I have issues with the TSA. Sure. I worked in aviation for years. <laughs> I have issues with the TSA. <laughs> well, let's not start a war with the federal government today. Eh, why not? <laughs> I have stuff I still want to do in life. Fair enough. That I can't do in behind bars or. So other than other than our trip to LA that's coming up at the end of May, Indie PopCon July 9th through the eleventh. Yes. What else you got going on? Uh man, I I don't. I think that's it for right now. Yeah. yeah. Am I missing something? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think that's it. Just but working on a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know? What are you working on right now? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to build my very own version of the, uh, book of the dead and the book of the living from the mummy. Um, because we did our podcast about that and that got me excited. Um, I'm building, uh, the tune gun from who framed Roger rabbit. We should probably do a show about who framed Roger rabbit. I'd be about that. Cause there's a lot of stuff in that movie that's yeah. worth talking about. And a lot of it surprisingly survives. Nice. So there's a ton of that stuff still around. And uh, R2-D2, and um, I think those are the big things sitting on my workbench. Yeah. I've got uh, the detonator from The Mandalorian that I'm building oh, yeah, from yeah. original parts, the old German um, audible alarm that uh, Honeywell built back in the 90s. Some more uh, crate explosives from that episode where they used mining charges. Uh, an R5-I9 that I'll eventually be able to start work on. I have all the parts, thanks to you, or at least yeah. the majority of them. Um Deckard's Blaster from Blade Runner 2049. I'm doing the 2049 version. And I need, I need to redo uh, Love's Pistol from that movie because I actually, uh, when I was in California, I went to the Peterson Auto Museum, and they have those hero blasters from the movie on display. Oh, nice. And I got really good pictures of them. And the one that I have is way out of accuracy. It's way off, so I need to rebuild it entirely. Um, but I had got really good shots of that and Agent K's blaster and also the... Uh, Deckard Blaster from 2049. Speaking of Agent K, which... Uh, 
Ryan it Gosling. Made, well, no, it made me the think the third it, most beautiful man on the planet. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it made me think about Men in Black. Yeah. Agent K. Agent K. Yeah. So we should probably also do a do Men, Men in Black. Black yeah, hundred percent. Because there's a ton of props in that too. Might yeah. as well. That, I mean, as is evidenced by this episode, we really don't talk about props as much as we should, <laughs> or even the movie. Yeah. yeah as much we've, as so, we we've sort of jumped the shark so many times yeah. here. I'm not sure what this episode's about any longer. No, we'll pretend that it's really about the Return of the Jedi. But, yeah, or uh, Revenge of the Jedi. Whatever. Who cares what it is? Yeah. <laughs> people are still listening. So, Greg, if people wanted to find you on the social medias, how would they find you on the social medias? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Props with Greg, and that's Greg with two G's at the end. Or you can find me on the TikToks as uh, what I'm making. Okay. And, where, and do you have a Facebooks? Nah. You I mean, just my personal Facebook. Just Facebook. Okay. Yeah, well, for me, if anyone's interested in finding anything that I do, uh, on TikTok, it's at Props to History. On any social media, it's at Props to History. YouTube.com forward slash Props to History. Or on Facebook at forward slash Makes Things. I know this is a rather short episode, but let's let's be honest. We don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Yeah, we're just making up shit. That's fair. All right. Well, thank you again. Uh, also, check out uh, RegalRobot.com, TomSpinaDesigns.com, and, of course, our official sponsor, PropStore.com. Yes. This has been the Prop History Podcast. Bye.